Who the hell takes six years to write a book? Well, I guess it's the same guy that takes six years to write a play, five years to write another book about Afghanistan. I, I never uh, claimed to move uh, at the speed of light on much of anything. But hey, welcome to another episode of the Rooftop Podcast. I am your host, Scott Mann, and um, I'm honored to be with you. This is kind of a special edition. I'm, I'm recording this podcast on the move. It seems like I am sticking and moving harder than I have in a long time. Maybe you are too. Um, but I, I wanted to, to come out and and talk about uh, the book I'm releasing in October, but it's on pre-sale right now. It's, uh, Nobody is coming to save you. A Green Beret's Guide to Getting Big Shit Done. And... I'm going to be talking about it a lot, I suspect, over the next few months, uh, particularly with the world that we're living in right now. So I thought it was kind of fitting that I talk about it first here. This is not a, it really isn't a promo. It's, it, it really is. Look, I hope you go buy the book. I hope that you uh, find use in the book and that you're able to help contribute to the movement of bottom-up leadership that we need in this country and in this world. But that aside... I, I like to talk about my projects. I like to talk about what I'm building. And this book is a six-year manifestation of what I've been building for a long, long-ass time. Um, you know, the, the reason I suspect that you listen to this podcast is it's more than just leadership. It's a certain approach to leadership. It's a, a certain belief that um, we are capable of things bigger than ourselves, that we are capable of, of doing big shit in this world. I, I certainly bought into that a long time ago. As a young Green Beret, I learned from some of the most amazing uh, NCOs on the planet. One of them who just passed uh, yesterday at the recording of this uh, podcast um, as, a, as a milestone, uh, Mark Myers, Team Sergeant, one of my Team Sergeants, just one of the most amazing humans I ever met. And, and Mark was one of those Green Beret NCOs who taught me, you know, hey, sir, you're going to go into these places that are uh, they're tough, they're underdeveloped, there's a churn of disconnection and distraction and disengagement and even distrust, and you're going to have to lead an effort to, 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 to create strategic outcomes, and we're going to do that as a team. And even though we're a few guys, you know, we're going to get some big shit done. And, and I just learned that over and over and over again from guys like Mark. They, they, they taught me the power in that. And it never left me. In fact, I think it, 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 it stayed in me in such a big way after I got out of the military. I felt that was part of what was missing from my life was I, I, I wanted to still get big shit done. But the other component to that, the other thing that I think makes kind of the Green Beret approach unique and hopefully makes this book unique to you is that... Um, you have to do that when you realize that nobody is coming to save you. Like that was always the reality in rural Afghanistan and other rough places, but nobody's coming. And if they do, it's going to be a long time. And if they do, it's probably going to be something different than what you imagined. You know, you're going to have to self-recover. You're going to have to handle your own wounded. You're going to have to handle your own fires. You're going to have to handle your own logistics in many cases. And, and that is at the heart, really, of what Green Berets do. But it's not unique to Green Berets anymore. And that's kind of where I'm going with all of this. I wouldn't just, you know, I guess it would be mildly amusing to write a book on how Green Berets operate and what they're, but, but that's been done so many times and done much better than what I could do. But, but, but there is, I believe, a real um, transference 
of the world that that I lived in and that other operators lived in in rough places that I call the churn, where there's disconnection, disengagement, distraction, distrust, and a need to get high stakes things done, and and this reality that nobody's coming to save you. That's is that not true in our country today? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm honestly asking you. Look around the country today. What do you see? You know, what do you see all around you? Uh, How many times have I said nobody's coming and I can't tell you the number of responses I get on the thread? It's like, hell yeah, you are spot on with that. You know, in full attribution, the guy I first heard say that, um, it was always, you know, kind of implied to us and at times was explicitly stated. But the guy, the civilian that I heard say that was Bo Eason years ago, one of my mentors. And it always resonated with me and it always stuck with me and I and I and I started to echo that and parrot that in so many different ways and move it into the world of of of, of leadership. Um and boy I think it's true, you guys. I just I I mean you look around and you tell me as you're listening to this podcast right now. Do you what do you see in in in, in our institutional leaders? What do you see in, in our politicians, our, our congressional leaders, our our presidential leaders, our our diplomats, our senior generals? Right? Do you see the epitome of, of institutional leadership that inspires you and makes you want to, you know, go to the rooftop and take a stand? What about in corporate America? Right? What about in the? What about in social media? Right? What about in media? I, I believe, frankly, that our institutional leaders are failing us. I, I think they're failing us at every turn. I just had a conversation about this with my buddy Sean, who works in broadcasting. He's an old school journalist and. He was talking about how everywhere you look, the leaders that we have once relied upon as the bastions and stewards of liberal democracy and, and the institutions that go with it that we need to have trust in, they're failing us. And it's a, it's, the system is in some ways breaking down. Now, do I take some kind of nihilistic, oh my God, we're screwed kind of view? No, I don't. I mean, I just told you that the line of work that I was in for most of my young adult life and um, beyond was in, in, in where that is a given foregone conclusion that that's going to be your reality. And, and I think that is still true, but now I think it has, there's a transference into your world. I just think that it's no longer unique to a handful of green berets in a rough, uh, at risk country. I think that unfortunately we live now in a civil society where nobody's coming to save you. Okay. And maybe, no one's going to tell you that, right? But I'm going to tell you that. And hopefully I've built a reputation through what I do and what I talk about that you know I'm not going to bullshit on that. I really do believe that nobody's coming to save you. But I also know that you want to get big shit done or you wouldn't even be listening to this podcast. You wouldn't be taking the time to figure out how we can restore social capital, how we can bring Robert Putnam's upswing back to the country, how we can, how you can figure out what your Pineapple Express is you know, um, and I've been wrestling with this, you guys, for damn near a decade since I've been out of the army, uh, uh, developing a body of work that I call rooftop leadership. And it's, it's you know, I've, I started putting ink to paper pretty early on. Well, over six years ago, I started writing variations of, of my leadership book that I wanted to put into the world because I kept telling myself as I came home from combat, man, this country is so divided. We're so disconnected. It looks more like Afghanistan than it does the United States. Um, and I noticed that so many leaders on the civilian side, whether they were corporate leaders, whether they were small business owners, entrepreneurs, they were struggling with this novel emergence of this churn 
right? Where, you know, people like the attention span of somebody's eight seconds where this represented reality of our phones and mobile devices captivates our attention. Even at the dinner table, you can't get anyone to pay attention for more than a couple seconds. You can't, you know, people are in this trance like state where they're walking around with fear and anger, literally driving their primal sympathetic behavior as if they were in a, in a, in an old school blood feud, right? Or fighting a saber toothed tiger. But in reality, it's, it's just a conversation over politics or, you know, policies on uh, masks or no mask. And we're abandoning our friends. We're telling our neighbors to go fuck themselves. We're, you know, we're doing all of these inappropriate actions. That is the churn. That's what I'm talking about. And what we've been trained as leaders to deal with that, to mitigate that, to navigate that, to regulate that is not, a, is not suitable for the, for the novelty of what we're facing and the magnitude of what we're facing. It is a migration of conditions that is far exceeds what most people have been trained to deal with in their life. So, you know, that's always been my premise. And I fully believe that it's what's happening in the country right now is that our leaders, rather than rising to the occasion and leading from the positions that we need them to lead from top down, they're actually going the other direction. They are becoming what I call divisionists. And if you've listened to this podcast a time or two, you know exactly what I'm talking about. These are leaders who rather than bridge across in-groups and out-groups around a common vision, they actually foment division between in-groups and out-groups to advance their narrow agenda. Now, you fucking tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Show me where I'm wrong. But leaders are doing this at every level. They are advancing and fomenting instability and division. So what does that mean? Well, it means that things like Pineapple Express and Digital Dunkirk and Operation Sacred Promise and the American Chestnut Foundation and all of these bottom-up efforts for profit and nonprofit and small businesses and entrepreneurial are happening. They're happening. And that's great and it's encouraging because Putnam talks about an upswing like this that happened in the early 1900s that restored us to a level of social capital that we enjoyed all the way up until like 1972. But in order to get there, I believe the enemy that we face now is much more dangerous. The enemy we face now is much more novel. The enemy we face is much more insidious and it will take us out. And this enemy is what I call the churn. The enemy is not your neighbor. The enemy is not the Democrat across the street or the Republican down the block. The enemy is the churn. This unprecedented level of distraction, disengagement, disconnection and distrust that is permeating our civil society and causing us to enter into a fear-based trance-like state whereby we turn on each other with a level of shadow tribalism unlike we've never seen before while we're asleep at the switch. And I want you to just let that sink in because that is at the epicenter of this book. That is the enemy that we talk about in this book. If that resonates with you, if that lands with you, if you go, oh shit, that's right. That that is what that, that's. You now have a language and a grammar. Then strap on the seatbelts, boys and girls, because that's what this shit took six years to do. <laughs> and I think what you're going to find about the book is that it is a it is a very. I start by framing the problem. Um, it is a it is a real you know it is a really eclectic combination of art and science uh, to both frame the enemy know the enemy, and then know yourself, because then we get into this, what I call the human operating system. And this is where my, oh God, 15 years body of work around um, uh, influence, 
negotiation, storytelling, old school interpersonal skills, what I call the Lorenzian skills that I learned in special forces, uh, honed in village stability operations, taught to most special operators that were going over to do that program year after year and built this really robust community of practitioners from academia to dispute resolution to negotiations to narrative competence. I mean, it's a hell of a Rolodex and I've stayed connected with these folks and trained with these folks for years and now developed it into a methodology that I call rooftop leadership. Rooftop leadership is the ability to move through that churn to, to build social capital when risk is low and leverage it when risk is high, where the people that you serve, whether that's your kids, whether that's your employees, your clients, your board, the people that you serve follow you up onto a rooftop. Think of like a metaphorical Afghan village and they take a stand up there, not because they've got to do it, because they want to do it, because of the depth of the relationship, the trust, the reciprocity um, that's in place. That's all there. And, and that is available to you as a leader. And I believe that in this time of churn, it is the only way forward, is the, the breadth and depth of our relationships and the art and science by which we cut through the churn, manage the emotional temperature, and connect at a level that is just unprecedented with deliberate skill, not instinct. Instinct's great, but you can't train instinct and you can't rely on instinct when you're facing novel conditions. You need a new level of skill. And that's what this book does. It approaches the human engagement process to get big shit done when nobody's coming to save you. I can't wait for you to get it. Um, I hope that you will, uh, look, do me a favor if you would. One, if this fires you up, man, share it with somebody because this is truly a movement. I do believe that leadership's going to have to come from the bottom up, that nobody's coming to save us, and we need a roadmap to do that. And this thing is chock full of tactics and best practices that will help you make better human connections, move people to those rooftops to take action. For whatever that is that you do in your nonprofit, for-profit, private sector, public sector, whatever, um, you're going to find raising your kids that it is extremely relevant, right? Old school skills with new, with new age uh, perspective. But what I'm going to ask you to do, if you would, is share it with people that need to share this podcast. I've tried to keep it pretty short and I'm going to wrap it up here, but share it because I, I do want people to know that right around October one, when the election has reached like a frenzied state, you know, it's going to, we're going to be talking about fucking trials instead of leadership. We're going to be talking about fucking laptops instead of moral compass, right? We're going to be talking about uh, them and us and out groups and in groups instead of what we have in common as Americans that our veterans fought for. Okay. We're going to be in a frenzied state as a nation and we need leaders. We need calmer heads. We need people that have got their shit together and they need tools at their side that can address these novel conditions. And this migration of the churn also warrants a migration of the tools. And that's what nobody's coming to save you offers. So share it with people that could use it and share it now before the noise gets too loud. And I would tell you, please pre-order this thing. Pre-order this thing. And, and this is my ask to you. And it is a bit of a favor. But I, I want to I wanna change the game. You know, I do want this book to hit the New York Times bestseller. I don't get any more money for that or any more revenue for that. But I, I want to change what the fuck we're talking about in this country. I want to change where our priorities are. I want us to be heard as a civil society of leaders that says, you know what? This is the shit we're talking about, right? We're not talking about some former A-list star 
right? And their coke habits. Like we are talking about leadership and the fact that nobody's coming to save us. And if we want to get big shit done, then we've got to step up and we expect more of our leaders. This is what we're talking about. So if you pre-order, man, what it does is it goes to the first week of sales and it counts towards our opportunity to hit that list. Uh, Operation Pineapple Express, for example, was something that nobody said could be done, right? They, no one thought that that book could be done in a year. No one thought that the, the story could be told as accurately and holistically and authentically as it could, making our Afghan partners really the heroes and their veterans, the guides. But we did. We did. And, and, and everybody said, well, no one's going to pay attention to it. It hit, it hit instant New York Times bestseller. Instant. And I want to do the same with this book because I want to send a message to our institutional leaders that if you don't lead, we will. If you don't lead, we will lead, right? And we will model what it looks like and we'll shame you into it or we'll vote you out or both. But the way that we do that is we re, is, is a reclamation. We reclaim like what, what leadership looks like and, and we take the microphones. And this is a way of doing that. This is our way of doing that collectively. So if you would do me that solid, if you would go on to, you know, we're going to put the link right here in the show notes. It's very reasonably priced. It's a great gift for someone else. Go in there and pre-order now. And it really helps us send that collective message in the fall as the antibody to the friggin' crazy ass election anxiety that everybody's going to be feeling. It's our time to leave. Nobody else is coming to save you. It's time to get big shit done. Time for you to do that. And I'm proud to be at your shoulder, and I'm proud to offer this book as a way to help you do it. Pre-order now, and let's join the movement. I'll see you on the rooftop.